When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up. Coming up. This is the Rich Eisen Show. And you're back. I'm excited. I, I, I love it. Love it. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Pretty dropping back. I can't talk enough about the boys and how incredible a piece he's been for us. The Rich Eisen Show. I appreciate the time. At Fred underscore Warner on both Twitter and Instagram. Earlier on the show. Bengals running back Joe Mixon. ESPN NFL analyst Matthew Hasselbeck. Coming up, senior writer for the MMQB, Albert Breer. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the program. Great first two hours right here with Joe Mixon in hour one. Matt Hasselbeck making us smarter in hour number two. We just broke down uh, Patrick Mahomes' press conference talking about his ankle is only weekend which is to legitimately follow every step he had when he went to his left off the podium it was confirmed by video that the reason why he went to his left is because that's where the door was and so uh we're we're, we're parsing it all out because that's, that's how we're i mean we, we have a lot of time between now and kickoff on sunday um 844-204-RICH is the number to dial we're here live on the roku channel if you want to watch us every day 12 to 3 eastern it's free all Roku devices, select Samsung Smart TVs, Amazon Fire TV, the Roku app, and the Roku channel.com. We say hello to our terrestrial radio listeners on this terrestrial radio station smart enough to have us, Sirius XM Odyssey, and our podcast listeners. We say hello to them. And as soon as this show is over, we re-air on the Roku channel, channel 210, every single day. There's also the video on-demand service through our relationship with the Roku channel. There's also our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. And joining us right now is my buddy from Sports Illustrated. Um, he is uh, the man who knows everything. I'll just say that. What a great introduction. Our friend Albert Breer back here on the show. How you doing, Albert? I'm good. I think there's a, there's an owner in the NFL who would call your uh, your coverage of the Mahomes uh, podium session there, circumcising the mosquito, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, that, that would be Jerry Jones, right? <laughs> that yep. was what Jerry Jones said? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't know yeah. he'd ever yeah. been yeah. to a bris, Jerry. Today. I didn't. That's one that stuck with me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if Jerry's ever been to a bris before. We never knew that. Uh, look at you, TJ. Look at you. Fantastic. Uh, let's get right into this whole conversation about Mahomes' ankle. Is uh, What do you know? What, what do we know other than he says he's going to play and it looks like it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's certainly going to be limited. Um, and, you know, like there's different degrees of this sort of injury. Um, you know, a high ankle sprain is probably the, I would say, the most poorly, um, the most poorly named injury um, in football um, because a lot of people look at it and say it's a sprained ankle. It's not. It's ligament damage. It's serious. And, um, you know, so 
I you know obviously he's going to give it a go. Um, I think the difference this time around uh, versus last week, uh, Rich, is that um, you know a you know like last week you're playing off adrenaline a little bit, you know, and then b um, the Jaguars didn't have a lot of time to adjust what they were doing to deal with a less mobile uh, Patrick Mahomes on the fly. Whereas now, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals and obviously their fantastic defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, have, you know, seven full days to prepare for the possibility that, that, that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be moving the same in the pocket and the game plan that. And so um, that to me is what's going to be fascinating about it. He's going to play. Um, I'm not sure what his percentage he's going to play, but I think it's fair to say he's not going to be 100%. What about Hertz's shoulder? Have we just not forgotten about it? Because it's, it's overshadowed by Mahomes' ankle and the fact that uh, the Eagles basically and beat the Giants. I would yeah. say with one hand, uh, one arm tied behind their back, especially since I saw Jason Kelsey with a one-armed pancake um, yeah. throw down. So are we just not paying attention as much attention to this anymore? With Hertz? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just it's it's one of those things that has to be managed. And, and look, like we there have been quarterbacks who've had shoulder injuries in the playoffs. I mean, I, Brady, I think I want to say it was the the year the second time they lost to the Giants, so it would have been eleven, was playing with his shoulder actually harnessed through the playoffs that year. He has slightly separated shoulder. I remember talking about it with you on NFL Network. So it's not unusual that quarterbacks have shoulder injuries um, or that have to manage shoulder injuries, but it's not one hundred percent and. Um, you know, I, I talked to Nick Sirianni about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, after their Week 18 game. And he actually said to me that, like, the day he got hurt, um, and that was in Chicago, whatever it was, early December, I think, um, he compared the effort that, he, um, that, that, that Hurts gave in staying in that game, called it like a Michael Jordan type of effort, um, you know, in, in playing Hurt. And um, then, you know, he went on to say he certainly wasn't close to 100% today. That's Week 18. Well, wasn't 100 percent, you know, over the weekend either. So, um, you know, again, this is like sort of one of those management things where you know Jalen Hurts isn't going to be 100 percent in these playoffs, and I think you know dealing with what he's dealing with, um, you know, with the, the the sprain there in his shoulder, um, it's not going to be something that is going to be fixed with anything but rest. So they're managing it. You know, obviously, the better they run the ball, the better it is for Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, but I I do think you know the where, you know, there was a governor on him in week 18 um, and the way that they managed him, that governor came off a little bit in the wild card round and I think it'll come off a little bit more in the championship game. Albert Breer here on the Rich Eisen Show. Give me your favorite Joe Burrow story that you've heard that uh, illustrates perfectly um, how spectacular he is and is becoming so, in the NFL. This one's great. This one's great. Um, so I, I think the, 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 the and I, I would say this, I think a lot of people misjudge who Joe Burrow is because he doesn't pop physically the way that that um, that Patrick Mahomes or, or Josh Allen do, right? Um, I think it's fair to say that. And, and the reason I think the right comparison for him is Brady is because Brady suffered from that 15 years ago. Like I think there were a lot of people who didn't realize how great Brady was, like you know, going back 04, 05, 06, um, because he didn't pop physically the same way. Well, the one thing those two guys have in common is is how how they have this talent for diagnosing everything and being able to see everything on the field at once, right? So that's what Joe's been able to do. And a lot of times things look easy to him out there because he's doing things to make them easy. Like on the touchdown passage of Mar Chase last week, he was moving the defense with his eyes. He was looking to his right, and that cleared out space to his left, which is why Chase was so open and why Chase had so much room to run when he got the ball. 
Well, I asked his dad about this, and I did a big story on it with Joe and with Brian Callahan and with Zach Taylor over the summer. So I called Joe's dad, Jimmy, um, who still lives there in Ohio, and um, I asked him when the first time he'd ever seen this from Joe was. And he said, it's funny you asked that. He's like, so when we, when we moved to, to, to Athens, Ohio, um, Joe was eight years old. And he went and played youth football. It was his first time playing quarterback. And during camp of that year, um, getting ready for the youth football season at eight years old, the head coach of the youth team noticed Joe was really smart and saw the game really well. So he gave him this one piece of autonomy where he said, if the, um, if the, if the, if, if the A-gaps aren't covered, you tap the center on, the, on his side to let him know that you're just going to run the ball. You're just going to sneak it yourself to pick up the yardage. In his first ever youth game, Rich, mm-hmm. he did that and ran for a 70-yard touchdown. Jimmy Burrow sent me the video to prove it. I mean, it is so, wow. like, in, as an 8-year-old kid, and that's the best story I can give you on, on what's special about Joe and how innate it is. At eight years old, his first game of organized football, his first game playing quarterback, he called an audible that resulted in a 70-yard touchdown. I think it's very much the same guy you're seeing now, obviously with a lot of hard work to get there in between. I mean, he he is he's amazing. I mean, he is yeah. he has just uh, been overlooked in, in so many different ways um you know, un- until what we saw in LSU. And even then, you know, there was a conversation about Tua and Herbert and um, yep. But then, then, then that went by the wayside prior to the draft, right? The Dolphins tried to trade up for Burrow, and 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 the Dolphin and the Bengals told everyone to pound sand, right? Like that was that's that's yeah. generally it with that story. Yeah, and you know, I, I think it was, you know the Dolphins, the owner, actually, in fact, I think was the one who was really kind of like, hey, like this is kid special, and they had had him in, and you know, like like we should do everything we can to go get the kid. And, um, you know, Chris Greer tried, you know what I mean? Like they called the Bengals and they tried. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I can, I've talked to Zach a few times about this. Like they told everybody who, who called them to get lost. You know what I mean? Like, so they obviously saw something cause you know, if you're, if you're looking at it and you're Cincinnati in that situation, you know, you could have a bevy of picks to have Miami come back, come up and get him, And you can still wind up with Justin Herbert to a, right. So like at that point, Cincinnati, I think to their credit, saw the difference between Joe Burrow and everybody else and stuck to their guns and sat there and took Joe Burrow number one overall. So, um, so yeah, and I think the biggest thing, Rich, really, um, he's just a culture changer. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's not like LSU wasn't a powerhouse program before, but you remember what they were before, right? No, no. Like, defense, run game, they never – I mean, if, if LSU threw for 200 yards in a game, like it was like, whoa, where'd that come from? You know, as good as they were, that's always what they were. It's just defense and run game. And, you know, when Les Miles was there, it was, the old, it was like Bo Schimbeckler, Big Ten football, you know? Like, and, um, you know, Joe gets in there and, you know, his first year they're okay. And then his second year he throws 60 touchdowns. <laughs> it's like, crazy. Where did that come from? Well, it's also you know crazy, I mean? too. It's, he's got Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, right? Just to Right, and that two. helps. Oh, my yeah, goodness gracious. I mean, just the embarrassment I mean, of riches. I've said this before, Rich. Don't you think we're all going to look back and, like, I, 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 I think we're going to look back in, like, 15 years, and, like, our kids are going to ask us, like, wait a second, who was on the same college team? Well, I mean, it's <laughs> two of the five current MVP finalists, right? Burrow right. and Jefferson, and then there's Chase, who's, 
you know, tremendous, and the Bengals have uh, nothing but road road in front of them. I mean, it, it's unreal, really, what's happening. Yeah, I mean, know? even like you know, like you look at like that team overall. Like Edward Dallaire was on that team. Yeah, right. Uh, Grant Delpit, um, uh, like the the God, what's the the, the the oh Patrick Queen. You know, like that team was was loaded. Was loaded you know, Albert Breer here on the Rich Eisen show. Let's talk about um, you know the aftermath of the weekend. And, you know, the four teams that lost, it's like different grades. It's like different DEFCONs, you know, where uh, house money for the Jaguars and Giants, technically, right? Yep. And then uh, the Cowboys are, you know, did were viable, which is what Jerry said he wanted to have as, as a successful season, but not, again, in the championship game. And then the Bills were the odds-on favorite in so many different places to win the Super Bowl, and they only win once. So uh, let's let's take the Bills first. What what is yeah. the reason why you think they didn't go as far as the rest of the NFL media world thought that they would? Me included. Um, you know, I think there are a couple things. I, I think the first thing is like I, they were playing with such a large margin for error. You know, um, early in the year, and you remember what, how it started: the way they looked against the Rams, the way they looked against the Titans on that Monday night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just feel like there were a lot of games, like the Patriot game at the end of the year, the Dolphin game, and the wild card round are two recent examples of it, where their margin for error was so big that they could screw around and win games. And you sort of wonder if that caught up to them. You know, like where this team that had been blowing teams out all year or they've been, like, not playing very well and getting away with it, if that finally caught up with them. I, I also think there's something to be said for the fact that this is probably a pretty worn out group, you know, and, and what they went through, um, you know, from, I mean, all the way back to the tragedy in, in their area, the top supermarket last spring to the, 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 the two snowstorms that debilitated their area to the DeMar Hamlin thing, um, you know, added on to like the football stuff, like the injuries, you know, to guys like Von Miller and Micah Hyde. Um, that's the other part of it. I just, you know, I, I, I do, it's almost seemed like a team that was a little worn down and lacked spark, you know, on, on Sunday. So I, those are the two things that stick out. And, um, look, I think they have some work to do. You know, I think they can, they've got some hard questions to ask themselves, you know, about, um, the way that game was the way they coached that game. Um, and then, you know, where they are at certain spots on the roster, the good news for them is the hard part's taken care of. Like they've got premier players at premier positions. And so they should be good for the vibe for, for the foreseeable future. The question is, what is what, what's it going to take to get them over the top? What does Dallas do? I mean, how? I mean, I was saying yesterday, Albert. Like, if Jerry really wants to blow it up, the opportunity to blow it up, like which he doesn't like to do. I mean, yeah. everyone everyone is still informed by Jerry Jones in their mind's eye about what he did with Jimmy Johnson back in the nineties. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to blow stuff do up. That. He doesn't yeah. do it. He doesn't. And and I don't know if it was informed because that by by the fact that. He did do it with Jimmy and regrets it, and he saw what he did, and now it, that 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 keeps him without blowing things up. But but I mean, the quarterback is there in Brady if he really wants to blow that up, and the the coach is there in Sean Payton if he wants to blow yeah. that up, and and he could just totally redo everything, blow it up, and deal with the aftermath, you know, in twenty twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven with Sean Payton getting another new quarterback at some point. Like, what What do you think happens here with Dallas, Albert? I mean, my experience being around that team, and I was on that beat 15 years ago, um, you know, I, 
I just I, I think you're right, like in that what you're saying about like Jerry generally exhibiting more patience than people realize, mm-hmm. you know, because again they have it in that head in their head that he's like this gunslinger from Arkansas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it really he gave, you know, I mean, he gave Dave Campo extra years all those years ago. He gave Wade Phillips extra years. He gave Jason Garrett extra years. And I actually think, like, on balance, Mike McCarthy did a pretty decent job this year. You look, they were without their quarterback for five games. They went four and one, I believe, through that stretch. Oh, yeah, their left um, tackles they, that was supposed to totally tear them apart. Left tackle had a rookie ready to go and, yeah, yeah. and who played great, you know, for their first-round pick. So I, I think there are a lot of things that they have going for them. To me, like the, the question going forward is twofold. Number one, if you lose Dan Quinn, how do you manage that? Like, because I think Quinn has been such a huge part mm-hmm. of what they've done, and it was to Mike McCarthy's credit that he made the coordinator change after his first year in Dallas and went and got Dan Quinn. So, if you lose Dan Quinn, what's the plan? How are you going to replace him? Because he's been a huge part of their success over the last two years on that side of the ball and developing guys like Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. Um, and then the second piece, I think, is just sort of who you are offensively. Um, you know, I think because Dak Prescott's on the contract he's on, he you, you try to become a little bit more quarterback-centric. But when Dak's been at his best, they've really been more of a team that's built around the running game and that, you know, I think manages games a certain way. And so the question is, do you get back to being that? Um, my guess would be that Zeke Elliott's probably gone after this year based on the number for next year. And, um, you know, then Tony, Tony Pollard's a free agent. So you've got that question there. Um, do they draft a running back? You know, I, I just think offensively, there's like a little bit of a crisis of identity there where when things get really tough, where do we turn? And, you know, I, I think that that's something that they're going to have to figure out over the course of the off season. So it's not that I think, I think a lot of the personnel, absent again, the running back position, they got to figure that out. Um, you know, I think that like a lot of the personnel is in place. I think they just sort of have to figure out who they are and how to best utilize Dak Prescott because, I, you know, God, like there were points the year, the Jaguar game where he threw the pick six. Obviously, he wasn't great against the Niners where it just looked like when they, when they leaned on him in a certain way, he didn't really respond the way you'd want him to. Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, the MMQB senior NFL report. A few more minutes left with him. Um, does it seem like it's taken a long time for job openings to get filled, coaches, or, yeah. or what's going on there? What's happening? I would I would say yes, and I think that's deliberate. The league wants that. Um, the league wants these things to be drawn out, there to be more of a process. And you know, part of it's the Rooney Rule. Part of it's the rules on what you can do with coaches who are still in the playoffs. They've sort of tightened all that up, and so I think the NFL wants this to take longer. Um, as, if you notice, like the GM searches took, were taken care of pretty quick. You know, mm-hmm. there were two of them. Monty Austinport and Rain Carthon were in place last week. Um, and a big part of that is because, you know, playoff executives aren't affected the same way playoff coaches are. So if the goal was to do less affecting the playoff teams and give coaches who are still in the playoffs a fighting chance at these, I think that worked. Um, that's a part of it. I think the other part of it is Sean Payton sort of hovered over some of these. And I, I'll tell you, Rich, I, I've said this from the start. Like, I, I wasn't convinced at the beginning of this that he was going to coach in 2023. I'm still not convinced he's going to coach in 2023. Huh, really? I look, at the, I look at the situations that are out there right now. Does he want to marry himself to Kyler Murray? Does he want to marry himself to Russell Wilson? Um, you know, is he willing to go to Houston? Is he willing to go to Carolina? Um, you know, I just I sort of look at, like, the, the landscape out there, 
And I know how much he likes living out there, um, you know, like in your neck of the woods out there in Manhattan Beach. Um, you know, I think that the, the Fox gig is a, is, a, is a comfortable one for him. And, you know, I think that there's some merit to the idea of just waiting for the right one to come along and maybe the right one isn't there yet. I mean, you think about it, like we always have sort of th- thought of him as like the whiz kid he was. He's, he's older now, like he's in his 50s, you know, and so this next shot he takes is, you know, could be his last one as a coach. And so, um, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why he's taking his time here, why I think it's a real consideration for him to go back to Fox rather than returning the sideline. And I say this with all due respect to the coaches that are currently in their spots. Is it possible he could sit there and go, well, man, I would love Herbert, um, but the Chargers weren't ready to to make that move yet, and they might not ever be ready to make that move. And, you know, Brandon Staley may go – and take that, you know, uh, team to the heights that they hope he can take them to. And, man, I would do Dallas, but, you know, they're not ready to do that. And they also don't want to flip the one to, to New Orleans. So let me get free of that contract. I'll hang in Los Angeles for a while. And and yeah. are there any other – is that is that as yeah. simple as that? Yeah. Or, 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 you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not going to say it. I mean, he's friends with Mike McCarthy. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Like, pretty, pretty close friends with Mike. He doesn't – I know, like, I can tell you for a fact, like, he felt awkward about, like, how, and, and people aren't going to believe me when I say it, but I, I really believe it. Like, he, like, I, he felt, like, awkward about how he was sort of hovering over all of these jobs over the course of the fall. Right. You know, so I do think, like, but, I, but it's, this is the reality of it. You know, like, the reality of it is, like, could there be better jobs available next year? Absolutely, there could be. You know, and, and by definition, like, here's the thing by definition, 90% of these jobs aren't going to be great because, like, yeah. otherwise the person who was in it would still be there, right? Like, normally, right. Like, like, most of the jobs that, you, that, that are going to come open are going to have serious problems that you're going to have to work through. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that that's certainly something that's got to be in the back of his head. It's the opportunity to stay in Los Angeles and work with Justin Herbert is there a year from now. Would, you know, is that more attractive than what's out there right now for him? Maybe. Um, you know, could Sean McVay walk away in a year and uh, and offer him the opportunity to stay in L.A. For, with the Rams? That you know, that could be something that could cross his mind. Um, you know, and then you know, like you said, like the Dallas thing. Obviously, he's been connected. He's very close to the Jones family, so like that's something to consider as well. Yeah. So I, I, I certainly think like it's it's almost like a team taking like a two year view of quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like where. Like, if you're a team that's in the market for a quarterback this year, you're going to look at Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and, and Will Levis, but you also might have your, your, your scouts take a peek at Caleb Williams and, and Drake May, and I'll give you this, J.J. McCarthy next year, right? Thank you. Thank you. Like, you might have your scouts take that look at the second year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's sort of that way. If you're Sean Payton, you got to look at this with a sort of long-term view because you might only have one more bite at the apple of coaching in the NFL. And last one for you. This is a copycat league. The The Bengals are mm-hmm. back in the AFC Championship game for a second straight year. Well, what's with the Bengals not getting uh, uh, any phone calls crazy, asking for, for their D.C. and O.C., right? Like, Yeah. What's up I, with I wish that? I had a better understanding. I mean, like, I, I asked – I actually asked Zach about that on, on Sunday night, and um, I said – I was asking about Lou um, in a room, of, you know, in particular, and he was right. like – he's like, he's like, that one just doesn't make any sense to me at all. You know, like – um, and I, and I think Brian Callahan similar, you know, I think anybody who's had a five minute conversation with Brian Callahan, um, the guy's got head coach written all over him, you know, like I, they, both those guys are excellent tacticians. They developed young talent. Um, they've helped turn, um, you know, the, the entire image 
I mean, we think of the Bengals differently than we did three years ago. The entire image of a franchise has been turned over, and those guys are a huge part of it. Um, so I, I wish I had a better answer for you, other than maybe mm-hmm. their names haven't been in, haven't been in circulation for long enough. Right, okay. um, but I def- definitely think teams are missing the boat. Like, you know, Lou has got a ton of experience, is incredibly well-respected and connected in the NFL. And again, like, Brian Callahan, like, I mean, look, like, all you gotta do is call Peyton Manning and ask Peyton Manning about Brian Callahan. You'll find out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, mm. I just to to me, it's like Lou. You can pin it on the defensive thing, and I don't think that's totally fair either. But you can say, okay, like well, the trends to hire young offensive coaches with with Callahan. It's like, like how is he not? You know, with there with the Shane Steichens and Ben Johnsons and Ken Dorseys and all those other guys that are being talked about right now. All right, I lied. I got one last one for you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Interpret the Tom Brady response to his own podcast host, Jim Gray. You know, if I if I effing knew what I was going to do, I'd effing eff done it already. <laughs> Did that sound kind of staged to you? No, I, I don't, don't think so. Everyone's talking about looking at Brock. We just shot up his, saying, shot up his chair. No. No, huh? no. Like, I mean, Brady's like tone sounded sort of wooden. It didn't sound about, it sounded like forced, you know? I don't know. It, it, it just sounded <clears throat> just staged. All right, so that's your interpretation. My, 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 my reaction, no, I, but my reaction is I take it at face value. I do think, like, I, I think he legitimately doesn't know what he's going to do, you know? And so do I think he thinks he can still play? Yes. Um, you know, the question to me is not can he get himself in position to play 17 games. The question to me is can he, can he dive all in once again? Because if he's going to go to a new team, there's a lot that goes into that. And you remember last year where, you know, he took a couple of weeks off during training camp and, mm-hmm. you know, like there was the, I think there was the, didn't he go to Robert Kraft's um, birthday party yeah, on, a like yep. on a, fr- yep. on a Friday night? On a Friday night and didn't Up travel with the team to Pittsburgh. Like, you know, you just sort of see these things and, and look, Brady's got the right to do whatever the hell he wants. Right. Like there, I don't think any of us would question that, but like, if you're talking about like locking yourself into playing a full football season and yet you were doing some of those things last year, I think that that's probably the biggest question, right? Is it's not, can I get myself ready to play on Sunday? It's like, am I willing to make the nine month commitment that it's going to take to ramp up to prepare to play with a new team um, and then actually playing the games and get myself through the season. I think that that's the question that he's asking himself right now, but certainly you know, I think, you know, depending on what happens in the next couple of weeks, the light will be left on for him in San Francisco. I think Vegas has a very real interest in him already. Tennessee, I think, is somebody to consider. What about um, Miami? What about Miami? And they, Miami's, I mean, and Miami's the other one. You know, like Miami, look, like, I, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but he's got a very close relationship with, um, with their minority owner, Bruce Beal who is a big Boston business guy. They don't have a first-round pick because of it. They don't have a first-round pick because of it, Albert. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they they, they tried before, a hand gotten in a cookie jar. That makes sense. I mean, it makes total sense. Yeah, if you look at their roster, I mean, like, look, like if he, if if Brady considered a couple years ago, like, hey, I want to go play for Kyle Shanahan, well, Mike McDaniel is, like, the other side of Kyle Shanahan's brain, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Runs the same stuff. He's just as smart. And you'd be thrown to Tyreek Hill and, uh, yeah. and, and Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Um, and you'd have a defense that's got horses on it now. Like it's, and, 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 and uh, look, I think this is a factor too. This would be a factor too. Is this kid still up there? You know? And so I think that that's, I think all of that is all that's important stuff to consider, especially when a couple of those teams 
or on the other side of the country. We know three years ago when he made the decision to go to Tampa over the Chargers, a big, big, big part of that decision was he wanted to be closer to his son in New York geographically. Albert, you're the best. Thanks for the time, man. Let's do this again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Rich. Have a good one. Right back at you. Everybody should check out Albert on Twitter, at Albert Breer, all of his material on Sports Illustrated. He's awesome. Let's take a break. 844-204-RICH. My top five list for Coach of the Year. Don't miss it. Coming up next. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show from the Granger desk with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call uh, clickgranger.com or just plain old stop by, why don't you? 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on the show. Weird stuff. This is a first here. Wild, wild, well, it's wild. weird. It's weird. Wild. It's weird. It's wild, and it's stuff. stuff. So, as you know, the Associated Press, which is the guardian of the league's season-end awards, um, decided to have what's called ranked choice voting. Finally. Finally. What does that mean? It means. Like what you see for Major League Baseball's MVP, or uh, I guess does the NBA do it as well? I imagine uh, Heisman Trophy does it. Okay, is that you get you vote, and your first place vote gets a certain amount of points, and the second place vote gets yep. a certain amount of points, and so on and so forth, and then you add up all the points, and you have not only your winner but a list of other finalists that you can announce as such. Okay, we've seen again the Heisman is a perfect example. Thank you for that. So uh, today, the league announced the five finalists for the MVP. 
and the MVP uh, oh, finalists are who you would expect. We kind of would talked about Josh Allen all year long, and we talked up, up until Jalen Hurts' ascension, and then Mahomes and Burrow and Justin Jefferson, right? That was the conversation. Who, who, the, which non-quarterback would, would have an MVP-type season worthy of, of being named? Justin Jefferson and Burrow. Those are your five finalists right there for the award, meaning that everybody who voted, those were the top five point getters, I guess. And then they also announced for the coaches, the coach of the year, five finalists, uh, Kyle Shanahan, Brian Dable, Nick Sirianni, Sean McDermott, and Doug Peterson. And I decided, you know what, I've got, that's five, I've, I was planning on doing this before the end of the season. Now that we know the five finalists, let me just reorder the five finalists, how I see fit, how I would have voted. And then an hour later, the Associated Press makes an announcement as who the finalists for these awards are. They named the five MVP candidates that the NFL had announced, but announced just three finalists for the coach of the year. Really? Yeah, and they are Shanahan... Peterson and Brian Dable. Oh. And Sirianni and McDermott were not announced by the AP as finalists. Kaput. And so I was just wondering why I was getting emails from the NFL assignment desk of Nick Sirianni talking about being snubbed when I saw the NFL announced him as a finalist. <laughs> okay. And I, I, it was kind of weird. But press on, I shall. And I need NFL Films music. And I need that to get me in the mood, as I always do with my top five lists. Here are the top five Coach of the Year candidates for me. And I'm going to start number five with the head coach of the New York Football Giants and Brian Dable. And five. he's number five. I mean, he, he was terrific. And what he did with this team to turn them around was remarkable. And I loved, you know, him putting his Dables on the table in week one going for two in Tennessee. And that kind of set the tone for much of the year. Um, and the team did have a, a swoon, you know, around Thanksgiving into December. But that win against the Washington Commanders, on a Sunday night on week 15. I know Commanders fans are still very upset about Terry McLaurin being called for not having lined up properly after Brian oh, Robinson God. scored the touchdown to lead to a potential two-point conversion to tie things. And that that really changed the tide as to whether the Commanders was gonna, were going to make it or the Giants were going to make it. And we all know what happened with the Commanders. But the Giants did a great job. And I would have voted this way, you know, at the end of the season, and you want to add what we saw in week one of the playoffs, I mean, Dayball was terrific, but I would put him five on this list. And then number four on this list, I would put Doug Peterson. I would put the guy who turned the Jacksonville Jaguars around, and I'd have him on four on this list because part of the reason why he was successful is he already had the quarterback built in, and another reason why he was successful is he's not Urban Meyer, who is absolutely the worst coach that we've seen in my 20 years to take a job that is so promising. And Peterson showed you exactly how much of a golden ticket it is if you are, say, not an a-hole. <laughs> and so um, he's not, and he's also very professional, and he turned the Jaguars around, and, and part of that is also because of who he is and what he does and what he did. 
And the Jaguars now, I would proffer to say, going into next year, will be the consensus favorite to win the AFC South, I would think. And then, again, I would have voted this way going into the playoffs, and we saw what he did with that comeback. His perfect, his, his, his calm demeanor is exactly what was needed when Trevor Lawrence... I mean, the first half of the of the game was Trevor Lawrence with Urban Meyer, and then the second half of the game was Trevor Lawrence with with Doug Peterson. It was kind of like a metaphor for the entire season for the Jaguars, their entire two-year stint since Lawrence came off the campus in Clemson. So there you have it for the four. And then uh, number three, I have to put Sean McDermott here. I can't believe he was left off the finalist list. I mean, you want to talk about, he could have won coach of the year as how he handled DeMar Hamlin on the spot. That alone could give you coach of the year. I, I mean, what he did on the spot, in the moment, in the aftermath, I mean, and this team had Super Bowl aspirations and still, you know, could have won the one seed had we not seen what happened uh, i mean honestly um what mcdermott has done with this team in the snowstorm twice and yet he, had a, he, had a, he played in De- he played two games in detroit one is a home game you know and and if if the afc championship game they didn't choose atlanta they chose detroit instead it would have been possible he played three games in detroit this year which you know? is kind of crazy, Rich. Have you heard the stuff this week that he maybe they should make a coaching change and that's the key to unlocking? I I don't believe it. I think I think he's great for that area, yeah, I and I think he's great for the team. And you know, there's so many part of the reason why they might not have had enough gas in the tank at the end is is all the emotion of the season that I thought McDermott um, expertly handled. Number two on this list is the guy who had a team that was. Um, undefeated the longest. I think what Nick Sirianni has done in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts is unbelievable. And he has blossomed into some, you know, red-ass Philly guy that I think everybody loves, filled with personality. He's like barking at refs. He's He's barking at at cameras. Yeah, I mean, but he's, (laughs) I think he he, has created a a world there. And it all started with him. You remember he was wearing Jalen Hurts on his shirt. I mean, he has built a program there that is unbelievable. Number one, my coach of the year is Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I mean, three quarterbacks. Uh, I, I, honestly, you you play three quarterbacks. You start three quarterbacks. You you lose. You don't make the playoffs. You don't you don't go into the playoffs with a head of steam, and you don't you don't finish the two seed. You don't. You know, Kyle and what he did with Trey Lance to Garoppolo, keeping Garoppolo around and then have Garoppolo do what he did and then hand things off to Purdy. And then Purdy looks just as good as the other two. He looks better than Lance. And on occasion, he looks better than Garoppolo. And you bring Christian McCaffrey in and you send Jeff Wilson out and you got to share the football. I mean, we're not talking at all about whatever Debo was pissed off about. That was other than money, you know. So, Kyle Shanahan is my coach of the year for 2022. And Do you think we need one more? All right, we'll give, all one right, I'll give you one more. Um, you know, I was thinking Dan Campbell was a guy that you could think of about what he did with the Lions. I think, you know, there, you hear Lions fans saying, Dan, why not Dan Campbell? But, I, I, you know, when you look at a coach of the year candidate, you've got to look at somebody who um, can show the way and lead 
Certainly when something isn't going right, communication is breaking down, or you have somebody that can maybe have a veteran there that just only knows one way to do things and certainly thinks that he knows the way to do things. And the coach just guides everyone through to success. And and that person for me is uh, Cicely Strong. I mean, what she's done with Einstein is truly unbelievable. I mean, he had one way of knowing how to work his cell phone and his service. And she basically told him, you know, like, I mean, we've seen it over and over again. She told him, you know, that there's a better way and it's cheaper. And even when she got her point across, she tried to help him by reminding him that he's left his bike behind and it could be faster to get to where he needs to go. So Cicely Strong is my other coach of the year candidate. Brilliant! I legit thought you were going to be like... Hey, hey, this yeah. team, yeah. everyone thought was going to struggle coming yeah. into the year. They got a guy who hasn't Could've played in like 32 years. Yeah, yeah. And they, it, injuries, the running back position, Could've they got to throw a rookie in there. They get rid of their all-pro line. Yeah. No, not Pete Carroll. Cicely Strong. Got it. I mean, the way she's coached up Einstein in just 30 seconds, too, or 60, or even a 15 uh, each time. Um, you know, there's a philosophy. There's a plan. Uh-huh. Um, it's well communicated. Could Actually, be, communication works now both ways. Yeah, could be unlimited. Could be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so. Kaput! Wow. We're not. This is gonna. How long is this? Co- oh, it's not season? gonna end for a while. What year is this? How many more until the <laughs> Super Bowl? Twenty-five, maybe. Ooh. Four at least. Come on. Like I said, got to give it I up. I got fooled again. I just <laughs> thought you were gonna do Pete Carroll. <laughs> That's why I set it up like that. <laughs> like I said, I usually fast forward or turn during commercials, so I I, I think I'm lost with this whole Einstein. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, oh, they're they're something. They're everywhere. They're something. Yeah. All right. Hey, great job. Great list. <laughs> I mean, what do you I've, think about Kyle though? I've, what do you think about Kyle? Uh, I think the way that you know they finished the season. I mean, if they have Purdy, maybe had lost a couple of games or maybe struggled. Right. Maybe it'd still be Dayball. Right. Oh, Dayball. Or, or maybe Peterson, but I think it's Kyle. I mean, it's funny. My two and three are the two that uh, were, I guess, the first two out. Now that we know who the five finalists were in the final three that were announced by the AP. But I just think when you look at a bunch of a disaster Jacksonville was last year and then the Giants the last few years, yep, yeah, that's probably the big three. All right, we'll take a break. The NBA made an announcement about their all-star selections. Um, it kind of got me, uh, you know... As a, a little throwback to my days uh, my day. in, in, in high school. What do I mean by that? Oh. Oh, I'll put it all together. Getting picked last? It's a tapestry I weave. Trust me, Einstein has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. 
Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. You can listen to the NFL on the NFL app on westwoodonesports.com via Westwood One Station Streams or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. If it's the NFL, it's on Westwood One. So um, why did the NBA change the way that they're announcing the all-star teams and who's playing on with who? I thought the the have LeBron and Durant on Turner with Charles and Shaq and Kenny and and you know, Ernie commenting in live time. I thought that worked. But did you hear what they're doing? No, I, I missed it. They're going to name the captains and then have all the players on the court yeah. on the day of the All-Star game. Like right before the game? Right and, before the game. And choose teams Just like, like, the y, like you Yo, would do that's the way w- cooler. Just way like we're at the Y. Way better idea. Way better. Because then you got someone who's going to be standing around at the end like, what? What am I on the pay no mind list? Well, I get picked last. Why is and that? And that's hilarious. Why is that hilarious? Because Chris can understand what you it's like to be picked last. No, I was always the captain. Dog. Excuse me. <laughs> so let me let me give person. you let me give you my opinion on it. Sure, sure, sure. I think it stinks. <laughs> Why? That somebody reaches that pinnacle and is chosen last, and the whole world sees that that player is chosen last. last. You went like the, the other way. The Twenty best players Someone's, in the world. Someone was picked last the way before. Let Either me, way, I understand that. But if it's done, you know, on a TV show that not everyone is seeing, and now it's being done in front of an entire arena filled with people, let me just say something. It's like the playground. This is great. I, yeah. I, I, let me just say this. Uh, I, I I think I speak for everyone here. When I say we like doing this show every day, right? I do. Okay. Yeah, I like oh. and, every day. Sorry. Okay. Well, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> when you are here. Yes, I love you. Thank here. you, sir, for saying that. I think I feel <laughs> safe in saying that. Um, and, and part of the reason why this show exists, and I'm, I'm very thrilled that people are interested in what I have to say or interested in anything that comes from my heart, my gut, my brain. And part of the reason why I have that platform or have that uh, opportunity is because, you know, 
of this stuff that I've done previously. And part of the reason why I've done all of this stuff is because I realized at a very young age that I could not hit the curveball. I could not make the jump shot. I could not sink the putt. And in order to reach a certain level, I would have to talk about it. And I worked on that craft for years. And part of the reason why I realized at an early age that I'd have to talk about it is because I was that last guy picked. Mm-hmm. And it sucked. And I don't care. I heard this and I'm like, that stinks. It stinks. And I know I was like just the worst one in the fifth grade or the fourth grade. And these are the worst ones at the pinnacle of their profession worldwide. But it still stinks. It still stinks. Not the same. And somebody in that league office who made the decision needs a raise. No, yes. <laughs> needs to check themselves. What up, Tim Frank? Oh, come on. No. Needs to no check themselves. That or that woman. Because if that player yeah, yeah. then balls out, it'll be like, well, they were picked last. Well, someone's so going to get so picked even, last regardless, Even though. in success, the ultimate success, if they hoist the MVP trophy at the end of the yeah. day, it'll still be they went from being picked last to that I don't like it. That's a better story yeah, it's, then. It's, it's no, it is not. Relevant. Chris Brockman. Chris Brockman, you were picked line. last and you're the MVP of the game. Like, what better? That's the American dream right there. You I take... want to get picked last now every year. The come guy on, picked, Rick. Oh, come on. This but, is like Brock Purdy. What are you that's talking what I was about? Saying. It's the year of Mr. Irrelevant. By the way, your better half just texted me and said that oh, to tell you that this isn't kickball. <laughs> <laughs> That's another T-shirt. This isn't kickball. Excuse me. It's called Nukem. 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 What is Nukem? It's volleyball, but you catch, catch the it. ball and you throw it over the net and you catch it. Catch it. Uh, I, we called that prisoner. What? Never. Okay. Heard, never. Heard. Right. I don't know Different why. We, that's what we called it back in the day. Excuse me. Yeah. All right. I'm just expressing. Great idea. The other side of this coin, and I think it stinks. And I can guarantee you there's somebody in the league office who got picked last, who came up with this idea, and they're like trying to get revenge. <laughs> trying to get revenge for the way they feel. Let's get Lowry Markin and feeling like this. I'll feel better about myself. Well, as Lowry pull, uh, as Lowry pulls up to the game in his Bentley, I think he'll be yeah, okay. Rich, look, if it weren't for you, we wouldn't know who the winners were. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Kaput. The show is, in fact... <laughs> Kaput. Today's show is, in fact, Kaput. That's it. That's how I'm showing up to pick up our Emmy, looking yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That a boy. Yeah. The Rich Einstein Show. Dicky Eyes.